Welcome to the Cyber 24 Podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping businesses and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. My name is Marty Carpenter of 24-9. I work in strategic communication, public affairs, and government relations, and I'm joined today by Mike Hussey from the Utah Department of Technology Services. Mr. Hussey, welcome back to the pod. Thank you, Marty. It's always fun to be with you and, and talk about, you're right, the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity. Yeah, it, it, I think it freaks a lot of people out. And uh, I think sometimes with good reason and sometimes maybe if they just understood it a little bit better, it wouldn't seem so intimidating and they can get their arms wrapped around whatever issue they may be facing uh, or may not be facing. And by the way, you always win for those who are watching the video on our YouTube channel. Uh, you always win the backdrop award. Uh, I awesome. can't compete yeah. <laughs> with that kind of view of the Capitol Dome right behind you. So uh, two points to Mike Hussey to start there. Thank you, Thank uh, you, you know, Marty. Often intimidating topic of cybersecurity is right. And uh, I think the people of Ireland have learned that uh, over the last week or so. And that's our topic for this week. A major cyber attack on the Irish National Health Service cripples the country's system. Uh, let's just give some uh, background on this before we dive in on a discussion. The Irish Health Department was hit by ransomware by a group known as, and I'm going to say Conti. Is that right? Do you do you have any? I, they don't put a pronunciation That's guide out with the guess. name. So Conti. Uh, 80%, up to 80% of outpatient appointments were disrupted or canceled. I heard the 80% number was directly linked to colonoscopies, and it was like 50% for other <laughs> things. But for some reason, they set the bar at 80% in a lot of the stories. Uh, but I did see one that was specific to colonoscopies. 80% were canceled or uh, are postponed, which is better than having them disrupted in process, I would imagine. But uh, well, and it seems interesting that it's colonoscopies. I mean, it seems like there's another story in here about <laughs> <laughs> ransomware colonoscopies. I, I guess so. Uh, maybe for another <laughs> podcast uh, at another time. But uh, by so th this attack occurred uh, Thursday of last week, and by Friday, so the very next day, the hackers had actually opted to hand over the uh, the decryption key um, and did so without collecting a ransom. Irish officials are reportedly testing out that key, which also seems smart uh, before they go ahead and just uh, plug it in and implement it and working to get things back up in working order. So let's start there and say, uh, Mike, the, uh, an attack on a health system, uh, this seems to be the kind of thing that happens more and more frequently. But interestingly, it's also uh, the the trend seems to be that the hackers realize that they're not winning PR points. They're hurting themselves by shutting down something like like health services. And in this case, they backtracked on it. So I'd love to see your, I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, why these are such good targets, or at least why they're so vulnerable and keep getting hacked successfully by hackers. And then, uh, you know, just the move by the the hackers to back off or to, to not sort of go for the squeeze when, uh, when they really could. When they add them, yeah. You know, and that's interesting. And, and you know, you, you did say something, of interest. And that is that, you know, you said the ransomware occurred on Thursday. They were asking for the ransom and yet, you know, Friday they're, they're kind of shutting systems down, that kind of thing. But they were probably in there weeks before. And so that's the, the unfortunate thing is that they were in there long before they were discovering their systems. They were discovering what their network looked like and they were uh, using tools that were probably uh, available to them to kind of get a clear picture of what this Ireland's uh, uh, health system looked like. Now, unfortunately, because of that, they are easy targets. Um, they have old software. Uh, oftentimes, they, they just say, hey, we, you know, that's not a focus for us now. 
if it ain't broke, let's not fix it. But yet it provides vulnerabilities. And so that's sometimes what happens is they have uh, older systems. They even have SCADA systems on their network that um, will likely be vulnerable to, uh, to be another attack vector. And so these kinds of things in these healthcare systems um, are, are sometimes dated. And then on the other hand, though that data is quite sensitive. I, I, I can only imagine, you know, not that I have a lot of uh, healthcare records that would give you much indication of what's going on with me, but those are oftentimes very sensitive. And so these healthcare providers certainly want to protect that data. And if that data were released, uh, it'd be embarrassing for not just the, the patient, but the, uh, the healthcare provider as well. And so that's why I think sometimes these guys are, are easy targets because they know they have dated systems, they have very sensitive data, and actually they can take that data and probably go into other systems uh, that might be compromising for that citizen as well. And so unfortunately, it does put a big bullseye on the back of some of these healthcare providers. Yeah. You make two really good points there. And one being that uh, the hackers were likely in the system for so long beforehand that you really might not know the full extent to which they've been able to extract data or where they still may be lurking in your system. You might, they, the, you know, the Irish health system may patch up what they think the problem is only to find out that there have been other problems, not only that were there, but were created while they were in there as well. The other is the point about the, the ongoing privacy concerns and particularly with health data, which is, you know, very sensitive, very protected in the U S legally protected. And, you know, I would, I'm not an expert on Irish HIPAA laws, but I imagine <laughs> that they have something uh, similar, similar, if not more strict in that respect. Uh, but that's essentially lest we, lest we paint the hackers out to be the good guys for, you know, committing a crime and throwing ransomware on these systems only to give the decryption key. It's not like they were doing that just out of the kindness of their hearts. One, they saw that, uh, you know, they wanted to stick to their general ethos of we're not trying to hurt people. We're just trying to get money and they can essentially go get that money by uh, extorting people for their health records or even other approaches. What kind of ways are there that they can go take the data that they've stolen and, trick people or blackmail people or whatever into getting money? What kind of threats are really out there? Well, and, and that's an interesting point because you're right. They could go after the individual that had their, their data compromised. And they now know, they probably know a lot about that individual. They know uh, likely email address. They likely know some very confidential information. They, they of course, know their, their phone number and their, their home address. And so they can start building a profile about on each of these individuals to then go and extort money out of them. I, I noticed that the healthcare would be equivalent in the U.S. as the healthcare secretary was tweeting and, and putting some things out on social media saying, hey, look, if you get a phone call saying you haven't paid your bill that for this x-ray you just received, uh, don't just hang up immediately is what he said. And so he wants to make sure that there's caution out there because yeah, these, these bad guys are now going to target those individuals that had their, their data compromised and kind of a double whammy here. You get, first you get stung by your data is out there and then you get stung because you're paying the hackers to, you know, for something that's not going to help you. So I, again, I worry that people will receive that, uh, that phone call or that email and that email may, be another payload where it's starting to compromise more and more. And it just creates a, a further mess as this thing grows exponentially, because certainly they just got a foothold in this one location. Even if it's just a little seed that can be planted in a 
the next wave of social engineering to get the next wave of data. You can see how this problem can expand exponentially pretty quickly. I did think on the privacy side, this was pretty interesting, Mike, that the uh, Irish health officials had secured, this is according to the BBC, had secured a high court order preventing the Russia-based hackers or any individual or business from sharing, processing, or selling the information. This court injunction uh, reportedly applies to social media platforms like Twitter, Google, and Facebook, and therefore limits the gang's scope of disseminating the information. I, I guess I like it's scared. sort of like you're, scared, you're making Marty. it illegal for them to go use the data they just stole. <laughs> they don't seem to really care that much about the legalities of it. Maybe it's a way to tack more charges on should you catch them. Yeah, and you know, and there's they're they're not too nervous about that. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, they they you know, I think it does. Uh, it, it kind of lets the citizens know, hey, they're doing everything they can to help in this situation. And, and those that have had their, their data compromised, they're, hey, they're going to the court system. They're out on social media, very, being very active. And they're, they're probably trolling the dark web, looking for data. They're doing all they can to get out in front of this thing and uh, even involving the courts. Now, just, uh, you know, in a fluke that somebody, one of the hackers is sitting in Ireland, maybe there is a little bit more teeth to this this court injunction. But um, most of those folks, you know, they're sitting in Russia, they're sitting in other places that that really, the they're, they're not too nervous about this injunction. <laughs> the, the high court of Ireland was able to, uh, to kind of create this injunction. So, yeah. Uh, lest we hear stories about international cybersecurity incidents and think, oh, well, that's on that side of the pond, so to speak. Uh, the BBC also has reported that U.S. health systems have been targeted by, by Conti as well. 16 ransomware strikes on U.S. healthcare providers and first responders by this same group over just the past year alone with ransom demands as high as 25 million dollars. So it's a group that's proved effective here and not shy about targeting US companies uh not to mention what it's been able to pull off in Ireland. So it's a, it's a threat that US businesses, especially healthcare businesses and businesses adjacent to the healthcare sphere uh would uh want to be concerned about. Yeah, no, and it's interesting. Yeah, uh, the FBI just released that re uh that report last week and saying yeah, that Conti has been quite busy in in the US and uh, it w it wasn't just healthcare providers it was um 911 dispatch centers it was um municipalities uh it was healthcare providers too and and it's interesting that they they know where the money is and so this is a very organized effort to 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 get money i mean we spoke before about the the philanthropic hackers out there that really are trying to to put back and give back through charities this is not that kind of a group and so they they're just trying to make this a lucrative thing for them and uh it's been a very difficult ride for many of those that have been affected by this group certainly it's most concerning anytime you hear something about a healthcare related business being attacked because that can actually um have really uh, have real world implications, right? It, money is one thing, but uh, when you start to think about the potential of hospitals being shut down and patients who are there oh, relying yeah. on, you know, machines you know, I, and I electricity heard, and so on. 
the, the, this disruption uh, affected, um, uh, here we are in the middle of a pandemic. Well, we're, I'm going to call it the tail end of a pandemic. And while it hasn't affected the vaccine rollout, it has affected the test results getting back to the patients. And so now the patients are wondering, do I have COVID-19? And this this ransomware attack has affected the the information getting back to those patients. And yeah, it's, it's quite unfortunate. And, you know, here, the, the again, the most sensitive thing that we, we are dealing with right now in, the, in this pandemic, and this has disrupted that as well. Yeah. Time to take a break, but first a reminder that Cyber24 is presented each week by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and service provider with a drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35-plus years means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. Check them out at vlcm.com. We're back with more on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom right after this. The demand has never been greater for business owners and IT professionals to invest in intelligent security camera systems. At the intersection of physical security and cybersecurity, however, an increasing number of organizations struggle to take a proactive approach to surveillance. Verkata's all-in-one physical security platform makes this decision easy and features like plug-and-play installation, centralized management, secure remote access to cameras, and smart features and alerts. Smarter security starts with Verkata. Learn more at vlcmtech.com slash Verkata. Welcome back to the Cyber24 Podcast presented by Valcom. We continue our discussion with Mike Hussey from the Utah Department of Technology Services. I mentioned last segment that the U.S. has been targeted by this group, Conti, uh, the group that breached the Irish national health system, and some U.S. healthcare systems uh, have been attacked as well uh, by Conti. But there are other systems out there that have been attacked and are, you know, I, I just mentioned this point of like, don't think this only happens in Ireland. It happens here and it's happened with this same group. Uh, and, uh, you know, one one that's noteworthy, and I, I'm not sure that I would tie it directly to Conti. I don't know if authorities have done that, but you, you, these problems can exist and disrupt lives, and yet they still don't necessarily make the headlines like you think they would. There's the San Diego area healthcare provider, uh, Scripps Health, S-C-R-I-P-P-S, uh, recently fell vic- victim to a cyber attack and is currently working and operating on read-only access to files and using paper and pen to track their patient care, which I think is just, it just shows like how uh, things like this annoy me anyway, Mike. Like when the power goes out, that like irks me at a visceral level. Like I just, I can't stand it. I don't, uh, the Wi-Fi was out at the house last week uh, for some (laughs) stupid issue for like, you know, maybe, maybe seven hours and then sleeping through the night and then got fixed the next morning. And it's not like we didn't have a backup. You know, I've got, LTE on my phone, on my iPad, we could con- right. we could continue to operate to some extent, but it just irks me when stuff like that goes out. And you can imagine that that's just me trying to operate a business, you know, just from my computer and such. Whereas uh, when it happens in a hospital, I can just imagine for doctors and nurses and lab technicians and everyone just trying to do the thing that they are really good at, which is taking care of people and helping them get better or providing comfort to them when they're going through some type of recovery or treatment. And they have to use pen and paper to track these things and and the mistakes that could logically follow from that happening and just a, a breakdown in the systems that help people communicate. Uh, this is a really, this is a really serious issue. And I wonder 
what it's going to take for the U.S. healthcare sector in particular to kind of get its arms wrapped around the importance of this and and, and that we're still behind. I'd love your take on that. Yeah, you, you know, you're right. I, and this is uh, generally a very difficult time for an individual. I mean, it could be you know, a whole gamut of reasons that you're going to the to the doctor. But, you know, sometimes, yeah, you're dealing with very sensitive things. And, and then to have to resort to pen and paper or even to, hey, to lab results and checking those and having those run a, a process, that I'm sure it's introducing delays and, and probably affecting the, the, uh, the health of an individual and maybe even leading to death. I don't know if it's that serious yet, but I could see that potentially that's there if the, if it's delaying so many of these processes going on in hospitals that, yeah, this is a, this is a sensitive thing. And so, yeah, I, I think the healthcare industry um, understands the the gravity of this, and I, I just feel like yeah, they've just been so reliant on some of these. Um I'm going to call them older systems that potentially were more secure, except that the touch points um, are are not always that secure, and there there's now um, a lot of effort and focus on how to modernize these IT systems in the healthcare industry. and And you look at some of the the money that's coming out um, for states out of the ARPA funds for uh, which is the American Recovery Act. Uh, they're looking at a lot of, hey, what, what can we invest in? And so, yes, the state had some legacy systems as well. Let's look at how to invest in those so we can stave off this kind of thing. The healthcare industry, I think, needs to get to that same point where they say, hey, look, finally it's time. We need to make sure that, you know, we've been, we've been throwing up these, these, uh, showing up our, our perimeter, but oftentimes once they're on the inside, then they have these challenges that are easily overcome because they're on data and, or outdated legacy systems. So again, I, I think as they start to um, see that there's this need, the resources will shift, the cyber hygiene will always improve. You know, and I, I feel like they, they generally do a pretty good job. You, you mentioned HIPAA as an earlier in the, our last segment. I think people understand the concerns around privacy and they're, they're always focused on it, but they just don't always have the, the, uh, the game plan for some of these old legacy systems that are very expensive to modernize. And I think same with the state system, you know, we're finally getting off of our mainframe that's taking uh, years to do that. And uh, yes, we, our, our, our mainframe is quite secure. However, the, the systems around it and that connect to it, they're on these uh, mo more modern, easily hacked kinds of systems. So then you start to shore up those defenses. And, and, but if, as long as there's a foothold or some, you know, back door that you accidentally leave open, do you expose then this old legacy system to, to things that it's not used to being exposed to? Mike, is it a, a matter of like a, a, a ripple effect or sort of if you mess with one thing, you add one new bell or whistle here to, to close something down that it can open up a vulnerability that, sh that you're not anticipating? Because otherwise you would think it's sort of this steady march toward an impenetrable <laughs> defense, right? Like we fixed this and now we fix this and we fix this and given enough time, we'll fix all the stuff. Um, so I, I can only be led to believe that it's a matter of everything you fix potentially breaks four other things that you have to go check and any slip up along the way is a vulnerability and an attack vector for, uh, for a hacker. Yeah. No, and you're spot on. You're oftentimes you're trying to make life better for those that you serve. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to add SMS or, or texting to our citizens so that they can be notified when, when they need to interact with the state. 
And so you can't do that very well on an old legacy system. You need to have a little more modernized system. So you, you move things over to this new system so that you can add a new service for the citizens. And then all of a sudden you, you maybe bring in an RDP vulnerability that wasn't there before. And I noticed that's one of the things that Conti focuses on is, Hey, we, we're going to look for, um, exploiting RDP using, uh, credentials that we, we've stolen somewhere, uh, either through, um, you know, a, a spear phishing scam or something like that where they get credentials and then they come back through RDP. But yeah, RDP wasn't available on a mainframe back in the day. Uh, you know, this is only with some of the newer systems today that they can exploit this new way of doing things. And, and again, it's just an effort to better serve those, your, your customers. Uh, you bring in these new features and all of a sudden you, you bring in these new vulnerabilities. So it's, again, you just need to shore up the defense. And as you pivot, you need to show up those defenses with the new the new things. But you're right. Sometimes you open one door to to serve thing, something better, and you you bring in these other attack vectors that might come in with it. Without totally losing the non tech part of the audience, help us understand. Oh. You've you've mentioned a mainframe and then something not mainframe. Right. Give us just a general idea of what you're talking about. I think it will help illustrate the point you're oh, making. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, remote desktop protocol. So that's oftentimes how people administer their servers, their newer Microsoft servers, uh, using a an, uh, using RDP. So you can connect in, administer the server, and then jump back out. And yet that's one of those things that Conti was using was, um, you know, when you move from the mainframe, maybe to a Microsoft backend, a Microsoft server backend, uh, to make administration easier, you open up this potential vulnerability. And so as you open that up, you need to shore up those defenses to, 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 to lock down RDP. And yet this is one of those things that Conti will use all the time to get in. So anyway, it's, it's, sorry, hopefully that wasn't. No, too technical, but yeah. illuminating for sure. <laughs> okay. The, uh, uh, Scripps health attack that we've been talking about occurred back on May 1st. So they're coming up on a month of dealing with that initial yeah. fallout and still dealing with, uh, you know, paper-based record keeping, uh, for the time being. And you think that even when they get the cyber portion of that fixed and get the system back online, that's a month worth of paperwork that then has to be ingested and updated so that everyone is back. I mean, you're talking about a couple of months of trouble that comes from that, not to mention what you're going to have regulatory and investigation and forensic and all that stuff that's going to go into it. Uh, Scripps, by the way, did not say whether patient data had been compromised in the attack. Uh, they've only said that the investigation is ongoing. So, Mike, as we've talked about health care systems or health system related companies here and abroad that have been the targets of attacks, are there lessons that apply no matter which industry our listeners may be in that they say, well, that, that might be the healthcare industry, but I'm in this industry. Are there a couple points you'd want to make to them as we wrap up to say, uh, these are some things that apply to you regardless of which industry you may find yourself in? Absolutely. And, and you look at how, how Conti gets a foothold. Oftentimes it's through just uh, getting uh, email in. And then usually they launch something like Emotet, which is a, you know, a very common tool for these bad actors to use. And so it doesn't matter if you're a healthcare industry or you're uh, uh, an oil pipeline or a gasoline pipeline uh, group. They, they get in with the same foothold. All their tactics are the same no matter where, where they go. Uh, but I think they know that the, the uh, healthcare industry is very lucrative for them and uh, they can really f monetize their efforts. So, yeah, I think good cyber hygiene, making sure that, yeah, if you don't recognize an email, uh, you know, be very careful. Don't 
don't open it. Uh, don't open, definitely don't open an attachment. Uh, just make sure you're very careful about your email and your cyber hygiene, as I call it. And, and, and as a, uh, maybe an administrator, uh, you might, uh, maybe spearfish and, and fish your own employees occasionally just to lay, raise their awareness and security awareness about what's going on and the threats out in the, out in the, in the ether that's coming at them every day. You know, I, I, I always toss out numbers that we get, you know, 2 billion plus attempts a day. And so we try and educate the users on what they can do to make sure that uh, the bad actors don't get a foothold inside the system because your system's only as good as, as its weakest link. And sometimes just by one person clicking on something just opens that back door and then you have that weak link and something you can't head off. So I would just make sure that you're, you're practicing good cyber hygiene practices. You're, you're training your users often. Uh, we, we do a security awareness training annually here at the state. Um, and what we do is we take all of those things that we saw over the course of the last year and put them right into a security training package that, that our users now know, hey, this is the most recent stuff going on out in the, in the ether. Let's make sure that we're, we're doing what we can here in the state to make sure our data is safe. 2 billion attempts on the state system every day. So every year you were blocking somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 billion attempts. So folks, Mike Hussey knows what he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some pretty big numbers when you start to add them up. Yes. Uh, You know, I, I, yeah, 60 billion uh, a a month and times 12. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) it starts to be real, real numbers. Yeah, that, after a while. And and like you said, you know, as, as Scripps is dealing with getting back online, there's just a lot of time invested in trying to just get back online. You probably invest a little less time and just, you know, the, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Uh, so we're doing that ounce of prevention on those on those. 400 million a year attempt or 400 billion a year attempts. And then hopefully we don't get to that pound of cures uh, part of the equation. Yeah. Mike, thanks for your insight as always. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Marty. As we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. So whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. Check them out at VLCM.com. That's VLCM.com. Special thanks as well to our supporting partners, the Utah Department of Technology Services, the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute, the good friends of ours at Secuvant, plus the Utah Attorney General's Office and the Utah Department of Public Safety. You can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can follow us on Facebook as well. Hit us up in either place. Let us know what you think, or if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Plus, for those of you watching on video, you already know this. The show's available on YouTube as well, the world's second largest search engine. Why not be there as well? Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and stay safe online.